Welcome back, everybody. Thank you for tuning in to another episode of the All In Podcast. I'm your host, Eli Cooper, and I'm here with my co-host, Mike Badzik. How's it going today, man? It's going very good. Uh, thank you for asking. Uh, we are very excited for our mega NBA preview that we're doing today leading into the NBA COVID bubble. We're super excited about this one. Yeah, man. It's final. NBA is finally back. Um, by the time you guys hear this, uh, games will be playing tonight. We have uh, the kickoff of the Lakers and Clippers, uh, so the Battle of L.A., and Pelicans and Jazz uh, playing as well right before them. Uh, so two pretty intriguing games. Um, all these games, again, are important. These are seeding games uh, coming into it. But before we get too deep into it, as you can see if you're watching on video, but those of you tuning into audio, we have a special guest who is back. It's been a while. My guy, Todd Fesco. How's it going, man? It's going great, guys. Not on the road this week, but yeah. uh, in, the spirit, <laughs> in the spirit of uh, basketball being back, I had to bring out the 2019 IUP PSAC champs right here, baby. I'm Uh-oh, IUP. Back. That's what I like That's to hear. Yeah, IUP. I'm I'm <laughs> a little bit of a flex. As a former PSAC member, that hurts a little bit, but we'll just, we'll just skate around that. <laughs> so uh, just to give you guys a little gauge on the format of how we're going to do this one with so many teams playing uh, and to kind of help you guys find it on YouTube, we're going to break it up into three tiers. Uh, you know, we have our top title contenders, which we'll start off with, which will be the Lakers, Bucks, and Celtics. Um, and then we'll get into Clippers, Clippers, Clippers. I'm sorry, Lakers, Bucks, and Clippers, sorry, uh, are the Tier 1 teams. And then uh, we'll get into the Tier 2 and Tier 3 teams. Uh, that way you can find your favorite NBA team and, and what we discussed about them. Um, so let's just dive right into the, the top tier teams. We'll give a little preview on each of them. Uh, obviously, each team getting eight games. Lakers don't have much to do, so we'll start there uh, to lock up the number one seed. They... I believe let me pull them up here. They have a five and a half game lead over the Clippers for the number one seed, um, which they can essentially lock up within the first couple of games, especially if they win on open night. Um, they can get this pretty much locked up. So I think so far all three of us have the Lakers winning it all. Uh, but what's important, at least in these seeding games that you guys are looking for, um, you know, going into the playoffs. What do, you, what do you think, Todd? I think some of the biggest things I'm looking for is shooting. So, you know, these guys' legs, uh, you know, is playing fast, like someone like the Rockets or whoever, the Mavs, like kind of that three ball, are those people's legs? Are they going to have their legs under them? Are they going to be sustain that for, you know, a couple of days in a row? I think shooting is going to be really important. And then just uh, feel when we come back, I think, you know, it's we've had like this – pseudo preseason but I think still getting that chemistry back is going to be a big thing and the teams that can catch that the quickest are going to have the big advantage yeah and the new guys for the Lakers I think is the biggest question like J.R. Smith specifically like which J.R. Smith are we going to get and and how productive is he going to be like at some point he's probably going to have to make at least one big shot like I don't know if he's going to mm -hmm. be like a game winning shot but like down the stretch mm -hmm. in a couple of these games in the playoffs he's probably going to have to hit a couple of big shots uh, so probably in the restart, you're watching like, okay, how do they use him? Like, what minutes is he playing? Who is he staggered with on the court? Like, I'm assuming that they're going to have him out there with Braun a lot. I would think 
uh, that that would be the guy that they feel most comfortable him being out there with. Uh, but then, like, if he's out there with Braun, well, then, like, who's who's the primary ball handler and scorer when Braun's not on the court? Like, I think that there's more questions about the Lakers right now than the Clippers, mm-hmm. for sure. I think, you know, I'm leaning Lakers because of uh, LeBron and AD, and I just think that those two are better than any other two combo, including Kawhi and Paul George, probably. But, like, when you look at the team around them, I think there is a lot of question marks. And Rondo's out, Bradley's out. Like, there's a lot that we don't know about this team that we feel we know so much about because they were so dominant in the regular season, but it's really a whole nother ball game. Right. And this is something that we've talked about before Coop, like these guys had four months off. Yeah. Like that's an, that's an entire off season. Like yeah. how many times do we see teams at the end of a season one year, like they go to the season next year, same guys a lot of the time, or maybe slightly different one or two pieces like we're seeing here. And it's a totally different team. So we don't know. Uh, so how are these pieces going to, gonna mesh Jared Smith's the biggest one I think probably Todd would you agree Jared Smith like what's your feel for JR what do you I think, think Dion well uh, yeah. let me say mm. I think JR Smith's gonna be huge but honestly I think watching Dion I think like what you talked about when LeBron's off the court yeah. I've seen I mean I think I down the road a little bit I could see them trusting Dion to kind of go out there get get some buckets and some time when LeBron's on the bench and I think for me I think I trust JR enough that if he stands in the corner and you know they're gonna you know, stop him from dribbling and doing some, some nut shit. But like, I think, <laughs> uh, I think Dion for me is the biggest question mark. Can he come in and kind of provide those buckets when they get stale and LeBron's maybe not in there or they just need something late shot clock. I think if, if he can step up and, you know, kind of be that you know, motor when they need something for him, I think that could be the huge difference. Yeah, I agree. Like, I think we kind of know, right. What we're going to get out of J.R. Smith. I don't think mm-hmm. his role is going to change much. Um, Waiters, I think, is the wild card or, or kind of the X factor because if he can step up and be a consistent, you know, secondary off-the-bench playmaker for them, that's huge. Like, is that's the thing that, honestly, they were missing before they signed him. You know what I mean? Even when – even before Rondo was hurt, they didn't have a per, another, like, perimeter guard who could consistently create his own shot. Problem is, Deion Waiters has never been like super consistent. So, you know, yeah. and yeah. maybe all this is right. stay away from the gummies. <laughs> yeah. So, you know, it's those are the kind of things that you worry about yeah. with Deion Waiters. Uh, and it's it, the fact that he's being put into this role is actually kind of mm-hmm. important. Uh, yeah. I think probably before the trade deadline, I think the Lakers should have search a little bit harder to find somebody who could play that role a little more consistently. Um, but I, I don't know. We'll, we'll see what kind of shape Dion's in and, you know, how well he can play in that role for the Lakers. Cause I think that's like the only thing that I can really see holding them back from winning it all would be, you know, not having that additional, you know, score or playmaker when LeBron's yeah. not on the floor. Are you worried about defense once- at all? Todd, are, are, are you worried about defense at all with Bradley going out, Rondo going out? Um, you know, you match up with some of these guards. I mean, LeBron, he looks like he's been better this year. I think yeah. typically he'll, he'll step it up in high leverage playoff situations. AD's obviously a force. Mm-hmm. Uh, and they got those, you know, big guys in the middle with Dwight and JaVale. Are you worried about the defense at all? So, if – like the Clippers, for example, if they were smaller, you know, the, the really the top-level teams like we're talking about right now, yeah. that would worry me. You know, if, you know, they're going against the Warriors, whatever it might be, then, yeah, I'm worried. But 
I think the size of the Lakers and I think they can throw enough bodies at some some guards that in the in the end of it, I think that they'll still come out on top. They might get some problems in maybe another game in a series or so, but I think the fact that what we're really talking about is can the Lakers beat the Clippers or the Bucks? I think in the end, that size will come to help them more and they can deal with some of these lower-seeded teams. And I agree because I agree wholeheartedly because the two teams, the two other teams in this tier are not like small guard led, you know what I mean? Like if they were playing the Warriors, you'd you'd certainly be concerned about Steph Curry, you know what I mean? Against this Lakers team. But no, the, the, the two teams that are the biggest threat to them are forward, you know, base teams, you know, you can, you can, and they match up well with them. You know, you can Mm -hmm. put, LeBron on Kawhi and you know I, I don't really know who they plan on putting on Paul George but you know they have options you know what I mean they don't they don't have a yeah but is LeBron on Kawhi like it's not ideal I don't know if I want I don't know if that's because LeBron in the playoffs in the past like even when they played the Warriors in the finals I think Richard this Jefferson is where I was guarding Kevin think... Durant more than LeBron was yeah, and I think Jr. can kind of step up here. Jr. is – I know it's been some time, but his last yeah. – you know, 2016 in Cleveland, he was their best perimeter defender, and we can see if, if he can bring, uh, you know, something, you know, almost to that level, I think that at least that's a look. They got the Morris twin. You know, I think that even Caruso's 6'4", 6'5". So, I mean, he, he you know, you can throw him on in spurts and we'll see. But, uh, yeah, I mean, that's definitely – I think, like you said, Mike, they have a lot of question marks and a lot of things they're going to have to figure out quickly. Yeah. Yeah. So, you know, the, the matchups don't look great. And, and I don't think, you know, LeBron is guarding Kawhi for a majority of the game in crunch time, I think is normally when he'll step up and like yeah. take on those kind of big assignments, kind of like he did before the season shut down. So like, that's where we'll see him guarding Kawhi, which is when it's most important to be honest. Yeah. Um, and is Marquise honest- Morris there? Yeah. He just got back. Yep. He should, he should probably be guarding Kawhi. I would think in a lot of yeah. moments, right? Yeah, yeah. it'll be a, it'll be a multitude of defenders because you never yeah. really as superstar players you never want to throw one defender at them or one type of you know what I mean defensive read yeah. as you see yeah. like all the time those guys get multiple defenders on them. And Kuz has stepped up, I think, on defense this year too. I mean, he's been better than years past, and I think at least he's a he's a bigger body you can put on. Yeah, so you know they they certainly have options. I'm not too concerned about the defense. It's it's when late in games. When if their offense stalls, you know who's going to be the creator other than LeBron? Because and mm-hmm. you know sometimes LeBron needs a secondary like perimeter scorer, like a D Wade or a Kyrie, like he's had in his career. He doesn't have that now. Now his secondary scorer is like a big guy. So that's just going to be interesting to see how that dynamic works yeah. out. No doubt. Yeah. So let's talk about the Clippers a little bit here. Um, they've had some. I don't want to call it chemistry issues, but they've had some concerns, right, to open up the bubble. Obviously, the Lou Will going to Magic City was not uh, <laughs> not a great start. And no. I get it. The wings are great from what I hear. I've never been there myself, but uh, apparently they have yeah. good enough wings to sit out two games for. So, yeah. you know. Did you, hear Marv Albert? Did you hear Marv Albert on the call uh, yesterday? I was doing the one game, and he was like, we need to order some of these wings from Magic City up here from Atlanta. <laughs> oh, my God. Yeah, I mean, yeah. it's just – Not a great I, look for the – Not a good look at all. And, and honestly, mm-hmm. even if 
I don't believe him that he was just there for the wings. I'm sure he got some, but I, you know, I mean, even if that was the right. because if that was the case, he would have just had someone else go get it, right? Like that would have just been the logical thing. You would think so, yeah. Yeah. So you know, it is what it is. But two games isn't bad for them. They don't. I, again, they're not playing for a ton. Technically, they could drop to the third seed, but I don't necessarily see that happening. And really, it does that doesn't necessarily matter for them. Um, but what do we? How do we feel about the Clippers? You know, obviously, a lot of people feel they're the most complete team um, mm-hmm. as far as their structure. But all three of us are picking the Lakers for some reason. So, what doubts? We'll start with Mike. What doubts do you have about the Clippers? Well. I think they've only had their core group of guys play like 11 games together the whole year. Um, so like, I think that matters at least for something, um, you know, as far, as far as chemistry, I know everybody's taking four months off. So the chemistry might not be there, you know, at all for some teams and maybe it's the ramp up and maybe uh, these, you know, preseason type games are, are going to help with that. But I don't know, like that seems to be a thing, right? Like playing with guys consistently for an extended amount of period of time, like, I would mm-hmm. think that would I would think that would matter. Um, now, listen, Lou Will's going to miss some games here, and I wouldn't be super confident in. Okay, well, if we fall to the three seed, who cares? I mean, because they're probably going to face Houston if they do fall to the to the three seed. And I don't know, like Houston, like we're going to talk about them, but like I think that they could be a matchup problem for a couple of people. Just the way they play is different. It's so different that it just in itself creates a matchup problem. So I, I, I'm a little bit worried about that. Now, what you said is true. I think they are the most uh, complete team. If you looked at their roster one through eight or nine, you'd probably say, okay, I might take these seven or eight guys over anybody else. Um, you know, maybe maybe the Lakers, maybe the Bucks, maybe the Raptors, just on a depth, depth perception. Um, mm-hmm. But But listen, like, I think Kawhi is still probably the most respected guy who's going to be just coming off of last year. When you think about like, okay, who do I want on my team in the playoffs? We had this debate on a different podcast and, and me and Todd took Kawhi because he still has the ability to just lock down on defense. I think that's the, the bigger question is too, like are, are Kawhi and Paul George going to take a step up on defense in the playoffs? Cause in the regular season, like they played pretty good defense. They were, they were good. You know, they were okay, but like, they didn't they weren't playoff defending like they might be in the playoffs. So we'll see like if they do match up with with Harden and Russ in the first round, like we'll see. Like are they gonna turn it up? And I think that would be a big indicator going forward with okay, this is what they did in the first round. It looks like these guys have taken it up a notch on defense. And it looks like Paul George isn't uh playoff P where he's, you know, airballing and, and having his struggles like I think that's a big indicator, right? So yeah. I hope for them now, – now that's the thing, that those are question marks that I think won't be answered until at least after the first round of the playoffs, right? So, I, so if I'm them, I'm like, I don't want to see Houston in the first round of the playoffs because I want to answer these questions against somebody I feel more comfortable against. Give me Dallas. And Dallas yeah. is nice with Luka and, and KP, and we're going to talk about them, of course, too. But I think I'd much rather face them in the first round, work out some kinks that I might feel like are lingering – uh, and then go into Houston or Denver uh, and, and, you know, go go from there. But I don't know, man. The Clippers, like, I, I don't know if this chemistry stuff matters with with everyone being off. And I don't know if the Lou Will stuff matters that much. He's going to miss a couple of the games. But uh, I, I don't know, man. Like, I think if I – if you held a gun to my head, I might take the Clippers mm-hmm. over the Lakers just because mm-hmm. of the fact that I'm like, okay, well – 
look at this one through eight, not as many question marks. Uh, but I, I still would take the Lakers now without a gun to my head, thinking the upside of if you get a LeBron and AD team clicking in the playoffs, I think it's better than the Kawhi and Paul George. But I think if you're going for the safe bet, I might take the Clippers. What do you think, Todd? How do you feel about the Clippers? Uh, so for me, the Clippers, yeah, like we said, like they're obviously a complete team and that, you know, the Kawhi-Paul-George combination is, I mean, that's a scary line to look at. But I think the difference, like we talked about, like what's the difference between the Lakers and the Clippers here? I think that I love Trez. Uh, Trez is my sixth man of the year. But I think the Lakers, I think the AD is such a problem. I think he can create such havoc for the Clippers specifically. And like Mike said, I think, you know, the the top, power of those two LeBron and AD together I think are going to be more of a factor than Paul George and Kawhi linking up and you know Paul George has had his whatever in the playoffs some issues before and not that AD hasn't but I think that that size that the Lakers have is going to be a real problem for the Clippers but uh let me just say I hope they don't drop to the three because I, I need that LA uh Western Conference Finals I need that in my life but uh <laughs> But uh, no, I do. I, I love the Clippers. Yeah, they yeah they should. I but uh, I love I love what the Clippers can do though. I mean that the fact that they can clamp up. They, I mean it, when they want, they are going to clamp you up for stretches, yeah. and you're going to feel them. And so I think in the end, yeah, like they just have that like Kawhi, especially in a playoff setting, is going to be able to get his shot off every time. He's going to be able to control the pace, and you know, it, he can be able to lock up your best player and let alone they got another six eight six nine dude that they can throw on you too. So I think this team is scary good. I think that Lou Will so far in the bubble has been – I mean, he was lighting it up before this happened. So I think, you know, after he gets back, I think he can be a real X factor in a playoff setting. You know, he can get hot any game. He can win you something. And I think that, yeah, I mean, the Clippers shouldn't have too many problems getting in there to the uh, Western Conference Finals. Agreed. I mean, and, and like Mike said, you know, my biggest concern about the Clippers is, you know, they haven't played with their core together a ton. Um, you know, guys have been Same. out with banged up injuries and resting and things like that. So that's my biggest concern. Um, and they have eight games to kind of write that out, really six, because Lou Williams gonna, is going to miss two. So um, it may be their, you know, their first round. Um, but like you said, Todd, I, the other thing that concerns me is just kind of how they match up with the Lakers down low. Um, I think that's probably the one weak spot, uh, you know, with the, that the Clippers have because these two teams are like oppositely constructed. If, if you really look at it, you know, Clippers are a smaller, like more interchangeable team, like defensively they can switch, you know, they can put a lineup out there that can switch one through five, stuff like that. Whereas the Lakers are kind of, you know, a little bit old fashioned with a bigger, stronger, more physical team. And when you look at playoff basketball and the game slowing down, you know, I can see Anthony Davis giving them huge problems because they don't really have anyone who matches up well with him. You know, yeah. so when the game slows down, maybe they don't even need, you know, a, a perimeter. The, the Lakers don't need a perimeter like score or playmaker. Maybe they dump it down to AD and they kind of, you know, play off him you know, from mid post area. So, you know, those are the kind of things that concern me about the Clippers is, is their, their lack of being able to match up with them. Plus Lakers have a lot of rim protection and the Clippers aren't like a, a sharp shooting team offensively. Um, even though they're a smaller team, you know, they've got guys who can make outside shots, but they're not, you know, necessarily the Warriors. 
So, you know, when they have to go into the paint and they're attacking AD and, and Dwight and JaVale at the rim, that could also be a problem for them. So I guess those would be my only concerns. But when you look at it on paper, you know, it, it certainly looks like, well, the Clippers kind of have everything that you need to win a title when you when you look at it from that perspective. So yeah. it's going to be interesting to see. I, I certainly see them in the Western Conference Finals. I don't see any reason why they wouldn't. Um, you know, I don't, I don't see any reason why they wouldn't get there. But uh, it's really that how they match up with the Lakers is going to be interesting to see whose style dominates. Yeah, them. and I actually do have another concern about the Clippers, though, because – you know, I think in the playoffs, like, we get in this – sometimes, like, the last five minutes of games are almost – they're almost hard to watch sometimes because it's just, like – you know, I guess depending on your point of view, it's hard to watch. Sometimes it's fun to watch depending on the players involved. But it's, like, all right, here we go. Five minutes left. It's a two-point game. Give the ball to this guy. Clear out. Pick and roll. Let's do this for five straight minutes, which, like, I get really annoyed with because I'm, like, run a freaking set. Like, they're, yeah, come on. Yeah. Like, you, you run sets all game because they work, and then you stop in the last three minutes of the yeah. game. So, whatever. That's a whole different conversation. But the rest of the game, when I think running sets are really important, the Clippers have uh, Kawhi, Paul George, Lou Will, Marcus Morris, all documented ball stoppers, which I think are total – like, those are my worst pet yeah. peeves is ball stoppers. Like, I think, I think that those are team killers. I'd rather have a guy who will run around and run sets really well than a guy who can score. Like, I, like I'd rather have J.J. Redick than Jamal Crawford, if, if that makes mm-hmm. sense. Like, mm-hmm. just because, like, Jamal Crawford, yeah, like, he'll go get you a bucket and ISO, but, like, I don't know if I want that all the time. I'd rather have a guy who's going to fit in better. And yeah. when you have, like, four guys like that. Now, the, the, uh, the mitigant to that is, well, they have Doc Rivers. And so, Doc Rivers, like, he's someone who, you know uh, – I. I mean, coaching, I guess, still matters. Like, we've gone this long and haven't talked about coaches at all. Like, but having Mm -hmm. Doc Rivers, how important is that going to be against Frank Vogel, who Frank Vogel, you know, had some success in Indiana. He was he was pretty pretty terrible in Orlando. I think you know we always forget to mention how bad he was in Orlando, but uh, he he had some a little bit of playoff success. So, like, Todd, Eli, both of you, uh, you know, coach former coaches. How much are you putting stock into having Doc Rivers, though? You can take it, Eli. I put a lot of stock into that um, because I think he can. He's and he's he's an excellent set play creator. You know what I mean? Just out of timeouts or whenever. Uh, that's one thing he's well known for is that he's always been able to to you know get you with quick hit plays. So I th- I think that matters a lot, especially when you're talking about this ish, this specific issue you know, where you have a lot of ball stoppers, but because, you know, he's someone who can kind of demand that kind of respect and kind of get guys to buy in, mm-hmm. you know, I think in, you know, situations where they need to, he certainly can get guys to like, you know, run through sets and get guys to move without the basketball. I think, you know, Kawhi and Paul George certainly can play off the, and can move off the ball, yeah. um, you know, when, instructed to I think Lou Lou Williams is probably the biggest ball stopper out of those three but you know and Marcus Morris Marcus Morris is a terrible ball stopper yeah Marcus Morris really in any set that you're drawing up should only be setting screens but you know so you know I think that certainly matters um you know in into in regards to that concern 
but it's that's a valid point is that you know i think this team really could have used someone like a jj reddick or some kind of like you know sniper that moves without the basketball and and create some kind of motion for you where you're not even totally relying on just set plays you know what i mean yeah. where you're just kind of freelancing and you have at least one guy who's constantly moving off the screens and forcing breakdowns in the defense they don't necessarily have that but um i think doc rivers can kind of mask that with his um his ability to draw great sets yeah i think that like if we're you know taking it coach by coach i think the clippers have a you know a, a more experience i probably not, not even more experience but just a better a coaching staff you'd probably want you'd take over the lakers but i think that in this setting, I think that these teams already kind of have the established culture so far. They have they're probably not going to switch up the sets too much, I would imagine. They're still going to run the same stuff they've been running all year. And I think that, uh, you know, Vogel is good enough. They have – you know, Lakers have Jay Kidd and Lionel Hollins. And I think that ultimately LeBron too, which is maybe, you know, the best player coach we've ever seen. But uh, yeah, yeah. so I think that – I don't know. I, I think obviously the coaching – I think it matters most kind of get that culture set and all this stuff but I think that when it comes down to this time I'm not I don't think I it's definitely a plus I'd rather have Doc Rivers than Vogel but I don't think that in this I don't think in this setting and necessarily right now is going to make that's not going to be the factor that really pushes you know out the yeah. series yeah Reggie Jackson is another ball stopper they have yeah. <laughs> I'm t- I, I, that's a problem for me like it is that's a it problem is. for me like Maybe, maybe and you got someone I, like Caruso on the other side that him and LeBron have the best like two man numbers on the court in like the see? whole NBA. Caruso, <laughs> that see my cousin. That's a great. That's a great example. Oh like, <laughs> like I'm just saying, like maybe I value it more than other people do. But like I, I, I don't do the ball stopping thing. Like get him off my team. I don't like that. Yeah, yeah. So you know, Clippers obviously have their concerns. We'll see. You know how that turns out for them uh, yeah. throughout these eight games. But I think we should close out tier one with the Bucks, uh, best record in the league, led by probably the MVP. I don't know if Todd disagrees or not. We haven't really talked to him. It's about probably going to happen. But um, you know, number one team in the East, number one team in the league record-wise, yet probably like the third favorite, at least on our panel. I think Vegas actually has them above the Lakers from the last thing that I saw from ESPN. Um, but how are we feeling about the Bucks? Scale of one to ten, Todd. What's your confidence rating in the Bucks making it to the finals? I'd say I'd give them somewhere between an eight and a nine, probably a nine. I think there's a chance wow. that they could get into the finals. Yes, That's I think high. an eight. Or nine. I don't know, man. I think this team is historically great. They have right. a historically great, you know, their best player on their team had one of the best years ever. I think that Giannis came back slinging that thing. I don't know. I think that if he's taken that shot, I think even if he shoots low, uh, you know, 30, maybe high 20s or something, I think that that could be the difference that this year that maybe he wasn't doing last year. I think that this team just all around uh, is fantastic. They don't have a lot of holes. And I think it comes down to do we trust Giannis to be able to you know, if they do the quote-unquote wall or these other teams like maybe Philly or the Raptors that have these big bodies, you know, can they overcome that? But I think something that we kind of forget is that, you know, uh, the Bucks really, really are just – I'm sorry, so so complete. I think that basically I trust Giannis enough to get them there, and I don't see the 
the top level of any of those Eastern Conference teams being able to reach that. Yeah, probably. But here's the thing. I don't know. I don't, I don't know. I mean, they're one of the best regular season teams we've ever seen this year. Historically, yeah. like, they were a historically good regular season team. Look at the PR point differential, all that shit. Like, they were unbelievable. And Giannis was unbelievable. By the way, Todd, you have Giannis as MVP? Just quickly. Uh, oh, oh, boy. Oh, no. Yeah, he is. I guess. Yeah, he is. He yeah. got it. Uh, probably. If LeBron had another 15, 20 games, maybe he would have. Maybe, maybe he would have different. But, yeah, he yeah. got it. Yeah. So, Giannis is the MVP back-to-back. Like, he is better than he was last year, even though he didn't learn how to shoot. And that was the big thing. Is like, when Giannis learns how to shoot, it's going to be unbelievable. But he didn't learn how to shoot. He got a little bit worse at it. And yeah. he's still better, and the Bucks are better. Um, but it's the supporting cast, right? Like, how often do we see this with a guy, especially a young guy who's carrying the team, and he just doesn't have the pieces around him? Like, who's going to build the wall and make Chris Middleton and Eric Bledsoe beat them? Or Brooke mm-hmm. Lopez shooting from three beat them? Like, do you trust any of those guys? I mean, who, who – so I guess we'll play that game. And Todd, first of all, I just want to say that the Bucks are minus one sixty-seven. So if you if your confidence in them is a nine to uh, make the finals, you should definitely go bet on them. You should definitely play a sizable yeah. bet on them. Those are good odds for you if you have a nine confidence rating. Then yeah. let me just say though, let me ask you this: uh, since you have an eight or nine confidence theory, I'm going to list you list you guys, and you tell me which one you have the. Uh, give me your confidence level on those guys specifically. Okay, right. Chris Chris Middleton. Confidence level in a playoffs, I'd say probably a six. Okay, six out of ten. Eric Bledsoe. Shouldn't be higher than a three. Two. Either <laughs> Lopez, brother. That's what I'm saying. But this is what I'm saying, right? Like, if he's the third guy and my confidence level is that yeah. low, yeah. like, I think I'm right. worried. I think I'm worried. Yeah, yeah. I, I, I see what you're saying, but I think that basically those all those twos and all the whatever the Middleton needs to step up yeah I think he's a question mark but I think they got enough they have enough solid players that I think they yeah. can do it and I think that look I the Bucks probably get out of the east last year if Kawhi's not there right and he there's not a Kawhi there waiting for him there's not a Kawhi where they're you're asking the wrong guy you're asking the wrong guy. yeah yeah maybe but <laughs> I, I just think that that you know at the end of the day, the Giannis, like, is just unguardable, I think, you know, against some of these guys. And I think that he's this is the year that he kind of takes that leap. Yeah. But we'll see. I will so, go like that bet. <laughs> but, yeah, and that's the, that's the issue and the concern that you have with the Bucks, right, is that there is a formula to, to stop Giannis or slow them down, especially in the playoffs when things get more physical. Um you know, and then, like you said, how much confidence do you have in his second, third, f- fourth options? You know what I mean? Yeah. And Brooke Lopez was actually pretty bad from three this year, and that's really all he does is kind of spot up from the three shot, like, under 30%. So, uh, I think in the playoffs, that that needs to be near 40, really, for them to win a title. To get out of the East, that, that needs to go up to, like, 35. Um, because I think a lot of teams are going to force – are going to collapse on him and, and say – Brooke Lopez will live with Brooke Lopez threes or Eric Bledsoe threes. And that's where the concern comes in for me is that as, as good as like Eric Bledsoe is, as like on the ball, you know, he's not, 
that's not his role. You know what I mean? Like he's not the go-to guy and he's certainly not a catch and shoot guy. Yeah. So he's not necessarily a great fit with Giannis. He's an okay fit, I, I would say. But like you said, your confidence level when it comes down to, you know, late in games, we're, we're doubling Giannis or pinching and digging on him when he drives and, he, and forcing him to kick no matter what. I don't have a ton of confidence in Eric Bledsoe knocking down shots. You know, yeah. maybe even – and even if, you know, Chris Middleton is, is knocking down shots – Okay, well, you can say, all right, we're not going to leave Middleton, but someone else is going to have to make shots. And that's where it gets into, you know, kind of a scary place for the Bucks, and you could possibly see another collapse. My confidence in them is not nearly as high um, as far as them making it to the finals because I think there's a lot of wild cards in the East and in, this tier, in the Tier 2 level, which we'll get to, who match up well with them, uh, you know, and can – and do have the personnel to defend Giannis at least enough, you know what I mean, to where late in games they can force other guys to beat them. So yeah. it's it's certainly going to be, like, it's going to come down to, like, how well Chris Middleton plays. Like, if Chris Middleton, like, takes that that step forward, he was an all-star this year, you know, I think if he continues how – he had a good regular season. I think if he plays yeah. that well in the playoffs, that should be enough to get them out of the East as long as, like, Eric Bledsoe isn't god-awful or – you know, Brooke Lopez isn't god-awful. I, I think yeah. it should be just enough to get them out of the East um, in that case. Yeah, but here's here's my thing. And whatever, like, get out of the East. Like, maybe they maybe they can. I think that there is – they probably are the favorite, right? And I think that says more about the other teams in the East not having that star, like, kind of like Todd said. But, like, to win a title, like, they have better odds than the Lakers. Like, I cannot – I just can't reconcile that in my own head. Like – because when you look at this, when you look at, like, just NBA history, right, like, and, like, people talk about, like, the big three, and we talk about, like, you know, super teams or one spectacular guy, but, like, look all throughout NBA history, the entire thing. It's always, you got to have two guys. You got to have two guys from from Kareem and Oscar, or I should say Lou Alcindor and Oscar, then to Kareem and Magic and Burr and, and, and McHale, and then Isaiah and Dumars like Isaiah probably was the one who did it mostly by himself but Dumars was really solid and then you know Jordan didn't win until he got Pippen and Kobe and Shaq and like Duncan and Parker and Ginobili and like all of this the whole way through even like the heat with LeBron and D Wade and when they won D Wade was really like really good and then D Wade got really bad really quick and then they lost right they got killed and then this just this is how it goes like you always need that second guy like I would argue like okay like who is like, if I just look back at, like, every team in NBA history and I looked at every NBA champion and I said, which one of these teams had a second best player on the team who was worse than Chris Middleton? Not, I'm not saying Chris Middleton's bad. He's an all-star player. Right. But, like, I just said, like, look at all these teams. Who has a second player as bad as Chris Middleton? I don't know if I can find one, really. I don't know if I can find one. 2011 Mavs? Maybe the closest. No, not really though. I mean, but Terry, I think, was better, and and they had a a better all around group as well. Even if you looked at, yeah. even if you looked at just the group as a whole outside of it, and you just said the second best player is as good as Middleton, and then the rest of the guys are better. Yeah. I think I I don't think I could find anyone as bad as Middleton. Yeah, I would say so maybe they get out of the East. Well, if you're talking, well, I think Chris Middleton is better than Jason Terry, just because from the defensive standpoint. But I would agree that, like, when you're looking at, all right, who's the next best player, like, yeah. Jason Terry and Chris Middleton are in the same tier. 
And, and we all agree that the Mavs are an outlier, though, right? Like they are, Well, that's, that's why they only won it once. Exactly. They so, only won it once, and they were yeah. a team we didn't expect to, to win. win it. And when we right. look back at, like, the teams that we didn't expect to win it and made a great, one, great run, they're one of the teams we always mention. Right. Yep. So, uh, wholeheartedly agree. Uh, that's where, you know what I mean, unless Chris Middleton has, like, a crazy playoff run, you know, and honestly, Jason Terry did have – a, a very very good finals uh in yeah. that series so you know i mean if they can get something like that out of chris middleton but like you said they were also deeper you know what i mean because then they had sean marion they had jason kidd who he was older but like still you know extremely efficient tyson chandler yeah. you know um defensive force jj Barea. <laughs> yeah but someone who jj Barea was excellent in that playoff run so <laughs> yeah. still balling you know I mean? still balling yeah so you know i don't I, again, I, I've had the Mavs supporting cast was certainly better. Even if you want to debate Jason Terry and Chris Middleton, they're in the same tier, like of caliber players, you know what I mean? Mm -hmm, yeah. But then that supporting cast was better. So you're right. You know, it would take something pretty magical, I think, for the Bucks to, uh, you know, beat out either the Lakers or the Clippers um, in that case. So I, I don't have a ton of confidence. I My confidence in them coming out of the East alone is like a six and a half or a seven. But I don't yeah. have any confidence in them winning at all, even after that. So, yep. I just think the pressure that Giannis puts on any, I mean, they have like a historically great season. And I think that, like, I think that cast, like, maybe they don't have some of the names, but I think, first of all, Budenholzer is one of the best, probably like top three coaches in the league. And he, I mean, he had them clicking on all cylinders or had them clicking on all cylinders. And I think that. Giannis, I just, yeah, they, you know, they call him for a freak for a reason. So, I don't know. Well, I think they definitely do have some question marks, but I, I don't know. I think Middleton, I think the size he brings, I think that is going to be big. You I like mean, Middleton. I mean, I don't like Middleton, but I think he is, like, he's in that well, – he's in a weird tier of players, but I, I think he, he's a legit second-best player on a championship team. And I think, like, that I, th I, I, I can see that for him. I think that – I think he's third. We'll he's Chris Bosh, right? Maybe, but I, I I think that this this could happen. I just think I'm just scared of the Bucks. Like when I think of who I wouldn't want to face, I think the Bucks just slash you and slash you and slash you, and they got they got the shooters and they got probably the most dominant player in the league right now. Yeah, if they're clicking like the regular season, they're definitely it would be tough to beat them. And we'll see. And I think the weird part of all this bubble stuff, like I said earlier, will come down to shooting. Like at any point, guys haven't played real basketball and couple months legs got to be under them they're playing more games and less amount of rest and at any point this could be the weirdest playoffs ever or it could go exactly how we're thinking right now yeah all right well that wraps it up for our tier one teams lakers clippers and bucks um so we're going to take a quick break and uh get back to you guys with tier two so if you're watching on youtube uh you can find the other video under the all in podcast playlist on our channel um, so you can head over, head on over to there. We're going to talk about the Heat, uh, Rockets, Raptors, Nuggets, Sixers, Celtics, and Jazz uh, in the next upcoming video. Um, and so we'll take a quick break and see you guys then. With the NBA playoffs coming back, something we're going to be seeing a lot is every player's fresh new cut. But you know what else needs a fresh new cut? Your lawn. That's why you should hit up Tavon's Lawn Care. Tavon's Lawn Care LSC is a black family-owned business located in York, Pennsylvania. 
Tavon's Lawn Care, or TLC for short, since they provide each job with tender love and care, has been in business for over 10 years. Founded by owner Tavon Parker, TLC aims to provide employment for underprivileged youth while providing great service at a reasonable rate. Visit Tavon's Lawn Care, LLC, or Tavon's Lawn Care on Facebook and Instagram to view their portfolio and request your cost-free quote today. Welcome back, everybody. And uh, we are getting into the tier two teams for those of you listening and on uh, listening in on audio. Uh, for those of you just catching up on YouTube, uh, we talked about tier one in our other video. Um, so after this, you can, if you haven't uh, watched that yet, you can catch up uh, and find it in the same place on our channel. Um, so tier two consists of Rockets, Raptors, Heat, Nuggets, Sixers, Celtics, and Jazz. And when we say tier two, these are teams that you like, maybe have a dark chance at like getting to the finals, possibly winning it depending on matchup, you know, but these are teams that don't, you wouldn't quite consider contenders, but they have a chance. Mm-hmm. Of this group, Todd, who do you think has the best chance of, we'll just say reaching the finals? So I know this is going to give your co-host a lot of joy, but I, I, I have come around. I have thought long and hard about this. And I think if there is, if any of yeah. these tier two teams, who do I, Tell if them. I had to bet my life on one top. of them making the finals? Yes, sir. I'm, I'm taking the Raptors. So I'll take the Raptors. Smart, I man. Think, I just think, listen, Nick Nurse is incredible. I think if anybody can draw up a way to beat Giannis, it'll be Nick Nurse. They done. got, they got Lang. Was it like Boucher? They got all these. They got like guys coming out of the woodworks from everywhere. Players. They got like nine, ten guys that could play, play meaningful minutes, matchup mm-hmm. oriented. Pascal, he's balling. They, you know, whatever that championship pedigree. I think that yeah. If I if I had to bet on any of those tier two teams, I think the Raps just, you know, they have. I think they have the best chance. I want to mute Mike so bad right now. (laughs) (laughs) You got me. Listen, listen, but Todd makes a great argument. And you know what's crazy? I wasn't even going to pick the Raptors until Todd made that argument. But I think I'll go ahead and pick them now. I I think I would would take them. I feel a little bit disrespected that they weren't in Tier 1. I just want to throw it out to defending (laughs) defending champions, first of all. Okay, let's just – before we – I'm just saying, like, when we say Toronto Raptors, we really should say defending NBA champions – uh, Toronto Raptors because they do have defending NBA champion Kyle Lowry who I don't know if you watched the finals last year Coop, when they played the Warriors he, man that guy was balling out in the finals he made Steph oh man I don't even want to talk about it I know it's gonna hurt your feelings but hey man they got playoff experience they've got the pedigree Marcus Saul looks like a brand new guy uh and you, and you talk about the length that Todd explained with Gasol, Ibaka, Boucher, Hollis Jefferson, Pascal Siakam like Norm, like they just have like Oof, just bodies, ammo clips. You know what I'm saying? Like when Drake's talking about coming to the studio with ammo clips, like that's what the rappers come with length to the court to see Giannis. Like clips, okay? Beretta, brand new Beretta, okay? Like <laughs> yeah, I know, I know you want to jump in and talk about how good the, the rappers are looking. Oh man, you know, <laughs> it's it's honestly it's tough because I hate getting Mike riled up on here. <laughs> But I think I think we're unanimous here. I think they have the best – if you're talking about the best chance, 
Um, it's still the it's still the Raptors, um, and you could have made an argument for them being in tier one because Mike has them in the finals. I had them in the conference finals, and I certainly could see them beating the Bucks again. I don't have a ton of confidence in them, so I don't see why that I don't see why that wouldn't or couldn't happen. Um, you know, six guys average double figures for the Raptors, and Pascal Siakam, um, you know, leading the way with twenty four points per game. He's you know, that was a concern for me was like, is Pascal Siakam a, a number one guy? Well, through the regular season, he was pretty much, you know what I mean? Like, mm-hmm. and because this Raptors team is so deep, it was, you know, this was one of the issues that they gave the Warriors last year is that they have five guys who can contribute, you know, 10 to 15 points every game, yeah. you know, at any given moment. So, you know, they don't necessarily need a super, like, dominant star. I think when they have one, it makes them championship caliber, you know what I mean, mm-hmm. which is, you know, when they had Kawhi. And even then, like, they played – when Kawhi sat out games, they played really well without him and had a great record. You know what I mean? They kind of just needed him for, I think, late-game buckets, if you ask me. So and, – and obviously his defense on Giannis was super important. But because this team is so deep, it, it kind of doesn't need – you know, a LeBron or a Giannis on it in order for it to at least get to the finals or even get out of the East here. Yeah. Um, so I would say the the Raptors from this this tier certainly have the the best chance. Another team I wanted to I, that scared me in the East um, is the Heat. I think the Heat are are similar. You know, in a way where they're they have seven guys who average double figures this year. Mm-hmm. You know, and, you know, Jimmy, Jimmy Butler is their go-to guy, which, you know, you don't necessarily think of Jimmy Butler in like top 10 players, but, you know, he has enough, you know, talented guys around him and they're interchangeable defensively. Now that they have, you know, guys like Jay Crowder and Andre Godala coming off their bench, they have shooters, you know, guys who can knock down yeah. shots, Kendrick Nunn, Dragic, Harrow, Duncan Robinson's a sniper. So yes, he is. they have, they have so many, <laughs> like, <cousin. laughs> they have, they have so many different types of players. It's like, they have two way players. They have, you know, snipers, they have ball handlers and go- and good guards. They have one of the most versatile big men in the league and bam at a bio, arguably the most improved player. So, yeah. you know, I think the, the heat are also in the discussion. I almost went with them. Uh, but I think the playoff experience matters, um, you know, and, and that's why I gave the the edge to the Raptors. That entire core is the same, just minus Kawhi Leonard. So they're used to playing together. Yeah. And that's important. The Heat quite don't, don't quite have that chemistry, even though they have a lot of veterans, mm-hmm. um, players, and a lot of leadership. They don't have the chemistry that the Raptors have. But I don't think a lot of teams want to see the Heat in the playoffs. No, and they have Spo. And that, Eric Spolcher, like, we talk about coaches like he's been there how many times and mm. he's got you know Elite. real pedigree like I think they they kind of give you like those two, early 2000 piston vibes with the way they play and the way that they can interchange on defense and they don't really have that one guy on offense Jimmy Butler certainly would be the leader and and probably you know if they're doing the thing I talk about where they clear it out for the one guy in the last five minutes he'll probably take the bulk of that uh, yeah. but he's a good guy for that and we saw it in Philly last year in the playoffs like when they were yes, playing that. Toronto like Philly is going to miss that. Seven. We'll about them. Took, took, took Toronto to seven, and, and a lot of it was Jimmy Butler. Like, hey, I'm an adult in the room here. Clear out. Let's go. Let me let me do this. And he did a pretty good job with it, I will say. Uh, so, yeah, the Heat for sure 
Yeah, probably not quite enough offensively when you look outside of Jimmy Butler as far as guys who are going to create. But Kendrick Nunn has shown some things. He was making his case for rookie of the year. I saw what was wearing the shirt mainly. I don't know if that's that's probably a stretch, but uh, Todd, I know you're high on the heat. I was going to say, I I think that, yeah, I mean, this out of this group, I think the heat just can throw so much at you. I love Bam. I think Bam can – you know, offense and defense, so versatile, gives you crazy matchup problems. And, yeah, Jimmy. I mean, the one thing – the reason that I probably have the wraps over is because Jimmy really hasn't shot it well this year. I think, you know, when you're looking at that secondary playmaker, Kendrick Nunn, is he really going to be able to carry you into an Eastern Conference Finals or, you know, it's deep into the playoffs, you know. And Goran, you know, the dragon, he's getting up there. I think that – yeah. This team can really give you good looks, but I think they relied a lot on shooting, and they are really good at home, not so great on the road, and that's another kind of thing we got to factor into this bubble situation. How are they going to react to that? But I think the combination of, you know, can they keep up that high level of shooting? And yeah. I trust Jimmy. I trust Jimmy in the playoffs, but I think that that lack of, like, the a true secondary playmaker that I'm going to trust deep into the playoffs, I think that's going to hurt them. But, yeah, I mean, honestly, if, if you told me that it was Bucks heat and it was, like, game six or something, I could believe that. I think that they have that chance. And, yeah, Spo, Spo's my guy. I think Spo's great. And you know, he's yeah. going to get these guys going full tilt when they need to be. So, I think – And the home, yeah, court, like a lot. the home court thing matters, I think. And we're going to talk about this with Philly, too, like the big difference on home and away. Mm-hmm. And I think it matters more for Miami because Miami, when they're at home, they have the big advantage of – Strip clubs, right? <laughs> there ain't no strip clubs in the bubble. They're not going to have that advantage. All their opponents are going to be hung over, hung over, yeah. and stay up on yeah. the strip club. We're going to have to yeah. see how's Coach Spo going to address the not having the strip club advantage. Yeah, true. So, well, gentlemen's think, club, gentlemen's club. Sorry. Um, I think another team, wild card team that we got to worry about is the Rockets. Um, you know. I think they have two of the most dynamic players in the league, Uh, two guys who can by themselves take over a lot of games. We've seen them do it. Um, So how do we feel about the Rockets? And and they've actually, they've gone, they put all their chips in just just those two guys basket, right? They don't really have much else. Um, Now, Eric Gordon out for two weeks, that's certainly going to matter because he's really their, their third option, but how do we feel about the Rockets and their chances of making a run here in the playoffs? Well, I think uh, so. Then, oh, you go, go, go ahead. Go ahead. Okay. Like, okay. I was just going to say, like, so first of all, I'm on record as a big fuck the Rockets guy. Can't stand watching them play. I, I hate it. Like, if they're on, like, I'd, I'd rather watch a different, I'd rather watch figure skating than watch the Rockets play basketball, probably, to be honest. Uh, just the way they play offensively is not appealing at all to me. And I will be very, very sad if they make it past the first round of the playoffs because I do not want to watch them play in the playoffs. I, don't, I want to watch them play as little uh, as I possibly need to. With that being said, low-key, I'm kind of feeling it. I'm kind of feeling the, the buzz. Like, I don't know if you guys know this. That guy, Harden, man, he's a problem. He is <laughs> yeah. very he difficult came out to guard. Uh, he came out swinging, right? Like, yeah. And he lost a bunch of weight. Like, yeah. What do you have, like 30 in the first half yesterday yeah, in, the, yeah. in the scrimmage? Man, I, listen, I'm not a Rockets guy. I can't stand the Rockets. And 
never been a big Russ guy either. I guess I enjoy watching him play a little more than hard just because of the energy, but I've always been kind of like, well, these are fake stats, you know, one of those, you know, guys. Um, but I don't know, man, like you talk about the, the matchups in the first round, like they got Denver and they get Denver in the first round. That's going to be tough for Denver. Now Denver has seemed to, to have found something in bull bull playing this power forward, small forward thing, shooting threes, like, and maybe they'll just straight up outsize the Rockets to where they can't do anything. Um, but, but typically if there's, if the matchup is guards versus really good guards versus really big, really good bigs, I tend to, to pick the really good guards. Yeah. So I think that they can handle that matchup. And then, you know, I think that they're a mismatch for the Clippers and the Lakers in the West, yeah. just because they play so different. And if it's, it's like, you know, they do the analytical thing and they say, okay, we're going to shoot 33s. And if we make, if we make 18 of these, we're probably going to win. Like, mm-hmm. It just comes down to the numbers, and if, if they hit, they're going to win. If they miss, like they did so many times, they have so many times in the playoffs and big moments, they're going to lose. And, you know, if, if, if those are my odds and it's not up to – like, because at some point you look at teams and you're like, like, this is what we're talking about with the Clippers and the Lakers, and we're like, well, how do they match up with the Lakers? Like, how do the Lakers match up with the Clippers when you look at this guy versus this guy and this guy versus this guy? Well, the Rockets, I don't really care so much. I'm just like – they're going to shoot 35 threes. How many are they going to make? If they make, if they make half, it's, they're probably going to win. I'm really glad you brought up the Nuggets because, like, the whole time we've been talking before this, I think, you know, the Rockets were probably like, my favorite for a while to you know, that kind of sleeper dark horse team who could make it out if things go the right way. And I do. I love to see, I'm not as anti Rockets as you. I, I like watching Harden play. I think it's like music watching that guy, the footwear. I don't know. But, I will say, you know, Russ really, really stepped up to end the the normal regular season or whatever. He was balling. And I, he yeah. kind of, you know, he got COVID. He's come back. The first game was okay. Second game was really bad. I think yeah. he's a big question mark for me. You know, what's he going to look like in this bubble? Can he kind of catch up? Because he, you know, took that time off recovering. I think, though. Well, he took the, he took the hydrochloroquine, right? He took hydro. Oh, did he? Hydrochloroquine. Yeah, he's, that, that, he's cured. Magic, man. That's magic. <laughs> I love it. <laughs> but I think, so for me, the Nuggets, though, like you talk about that matchup. I think, you know, there are times where the, the Houston's kind of been able to get big guys off the court. You look at the Jazz and um, previous playoff series. They basically just ran Gobert off the court. Mm-hmm. However, the Bull Bull development – is so interesting to me. I mean, that guy, I don't know. I think that he could be like the weird suit. I mean, he's like 7'2", can do everything you want. I think that maybe that could be – like that kind of could push, depending on Jamal Murray. You need Jamal Murray to step up and be that guy. And he, that he has yeah. not been. But I think, the, you know, the Nuggets really at this point, I, I'm really on the fence, and I think I'm leaning more Nuggets than Rockets right now. I would man, Jokic got skinny. Uh, balling. <laughs> yeah, go <A> keto diet. <laughs> um, yeah, so I, I don't know necessarily about the Nuggets and the Rockets matchup. Um, who I take there, but I don't. I don't like. I I'm on board with you, Mike. I don't like the Rockets style of play at all. Um, it's excellent for regular season because the game in the regular season is totally different than it is in the playoffs. Um, so when it starts to get more physical and the game is slower and each possession is valued more, like every hardened sidestep slash step back three 
is actually a little more harmful in the playoffs than it is in the regular season, right? Because you're, yep. the number of possessions that you have throughout a game is just less. So that's where their formula is always comes back to bite them is that, like you said, they'll shoot 33s a game and they have to rely on hitting 17 or 18 of those to win. You know what I mean? And I don't think that's, uh, how how often is that going to happen? Is it going to happen 16 times? No. So, you know what I mean? It's like, is it going to happen 12 times just for them to get out of the West? Probably Darryl not. Morey, Daryl Morey would disagree. He, yeah, he might. But his – and the bigger problem with this formula is as a team, they shoot 35% from the three. <laughs> so, like, right. I think that's the biggest issue is that you're putting a lot of stock into shooting threes when you think about it, like Russ is not a good three-point shooter. Eric Gordon is probably one of your best. And even this year, he only shot 32. Mm. Covington is Covington's probably your best. Percentage-wise, he was 35.7. So Covington's like in the discussion, but like he's certainly not creating any of those shots. He's gonna be yeah. standing in the corner, you know, and you're you're really relying on him hitting a bunch of corner threes. Uh, I don't know that I love that idea, you know. And PJ he, Tucker. PJ Tucker, who, you know, now that he's playing the five, I don't know that he's necessarily yeah. shooting corner threes anymore, which is where he shoots from. So, like, yeah. I, you know what I mean? I, and he's not a great three-point shooter. So, yeah. it's just like, well, okay, we're going to rely on threes. Whose threes are we relying on is the question. Yeah. So, it's like and, – yeah. and certainly they'll get hot and they will scare you. You know what I mean? They'll And James Harden will have – incredible games where you know he'll steal you one or two possibly three games but like when it gets to the biggest brightest moment the Rockets uh style of play will always come back to bite them always and yeah, it, it's done it yeah. yeah it's done it for it's happened for five years and it's yeah. you know James Harden is I think his conditioning has been part of the problem in that so maybe now that we're seeing a skinnier James Harden you know, maybe that yeah. that helps a little bit, but like, I, I don't know that it's enough to necessarily get them out of the the second round. Maybe the first. I don't know that it gets yeah. them past the second round, though. And but I it's similar. Really go ahead, Tom. Uh, sorry, I was going to say that you know this. You know, we talked about like this matchup. You know, PJ playing the five kind of thing. And I think in the regular season, you know, just something to pay attention is maybe you know the, the, you know most of the league does play in a way more traditional way. And it's basically this Rockets coming in with this weird matchup. Are we able to – we can't figure it out on a random back-to-back or a random night kind of thing. But if you get into this seven-game series with these guys after a game, are you able to figure them out? You know, if we're playing the same guys, that kind of thing. I think that maybe in the playoffs, I think that could be a problem. I think you can figure them out quicker. And like you said, it just comes down exactly. to making threes. But I think that that size over a prolonged period is really going to hurt them. And uh, I think I saw that, like, Tyson Chandler is, like, hasn't attempted a field goal since like December or something crazy. Like he's just, you know, it really, it's going to be hard to just throw him in there and be like, give us anything. So if it's yeah, not yeah. working, it's just, they don't really have a backup plan. Yeah. And yeah. it's a similar and, argument with the bucks, right? Like the yeah. ISO thing and Giannis because and Harden, they do this, but like, this is just like the way the basketball is going. And, you know, we always see, there's always been, so whatever, like old heads are always like, Oh, the regular season sucks and the playoffs are way better because they play defense. And like, there's always been that. There's always been a gap between the regular season and the playoffs, but like it has gotten bigger. I think, I think the gap has gotten bigger in the defense and, and 
when you look at like Giannis and Harden and the way they play, like there's just big question marks about if that's ever going to translate to a playoff style basketball. I'm not sure it does. So, yeah, so let's talk about the – we got into the Nuggets a little bit, um, but let's talk about them a little bit. They, you know, the emergence of Bowl Bowl getting healthy. Um, you know, obviously Michael Porter Jr. is back. I don't know how much he factors in here, but Nuggets have a pretty deep, talented team. You know, what? how do you guys feel about the Nuggets, you know, po- uh, with a possible run? Um, I don't like it. I mean, like, here's the thing. I, I like Jokic a lot, obviously. MVP candidate two years in a row. This year, less than the year before. But he made a really strong push at the end. But, like, if Todd's argument for the Nuggets, why he likes the Nuggets so much, is like, wow, I really like Bo Bo. I think Bo Bo is going to be a really big piece for them. Well, like, we just met Bo Bo three days ago at summer at summer camp. Like, eh, I just don't know where the playoff buckets come from and you know like isn't this what we saw last year from them wasn't it very similar and the Spurs who kind of sucked took them to seven games last year like eh, I'm just I'm just I'm off the Nuggets I, I until they show me something playoff wise I'm I'm just off of it no that's fair I mean the, the Nuggets you know been can rip your heart out I think that you know the last couple of years this is the same story they're the side seed I mean they are the three seed uh, in the West. So, I mean, that's nothing to, you know, sneeze at. But I think that I'm on it. I just think that, you know, no Jamal Murray. So, he hasn't – I don't think he's played in the summer – or this, you know, the bubble yet. But mm. I I think that you're right. You know, we just met Bull Bull. But I think that he has shown, at least, that you can play him, I bet, at least 10 to 15 minutes. I think Michael Porter Jr. is a question mark. What kind of impact can he have in this bubble uh, format? I, I just think that right now, though, I trust them a little bit more than these other guys in the West. I think that they have a solid foundation. Jokic is probably no Jokic. Besides Harden, Jokic is the best player that we're you know we're talking about here. And I think I just think that this could be in this weird format. Like I keep bringing up the shooting thing. I think that I can trust Jokic to kind of control an offense, hold it down. And uh, you know he was he's been hitting the three at a pretty high clip. And I just yeah. think that maybe this year you know I think that. They're not in the lake. I can't see them, like, you know, obviously beating the Lakers or the Clippers. But I think this next year we're talking about the Nuggets just, you know, they're doing the, you know, they're, was that zigging when other people are zagging, that big lineup, Jerry and Grant, these other guys. I think that that could give some people some problems. Yeah. So, I mean, I'm, I'm more in buying future stock in Denver than I am right now um, because I think Bull Bull has an incredible amount of upside, obviously. And, uh, you know, Michael Porter Jr. is an idiot, but he certainly yeah, up with him? he certainly gets buckets. But like, yeah. <laughs> obviously, no one taught him anything else besides being able to score the basketball. Someone but... needs to block his YouTube account. <laughs> <laughs> oh man! But you know, it's uh, you know, until those two guys become like truly impactful players, I don't think the Nuggets are like title contenders. Like, yeah. their guards defensively aren't, like, Jamal – even Jamal Murray is not, like, great defensively. Um, and is probably more of a minus on the defensive end than he is a plus. So – and even Michael Porter Jr. is going to have to get a lot better defensively as he comes into his own. But, like, I think, like, Bull Bull is, like, a, you know, stretch four who, you know, can handle it. 
put the ball on the floor, knock down threes. Like his upside to me is is big, but like I don't I don't foresee that they're going to play him a ton here to where he's going to have an impact. Right. Um, so I say like the the Nuggets are probably two to three years away from being like true contenders, maybe, and I think they'll probably have to add some like two way wings or guards to the mix in order to to complete that team. Um, but yeah, I'm not not sold on them or buying any stock in them for this year at yeah. all. I like Jokic as probably the second best player in this tier that we're talking about here. Probably. Maybe Tatum has an argument. I don't know. Or Siakam or somebody, but um, no, but <laughs> I don't like it. Beat. But uh, I just don't think he's ever the best player on a, on a team that makes the finals. Yeah, probably not. So, Let's talk a little bit about my guys, Sixers. One of the probably the biggest wild cards. I don't know if you can really call them a wild card, but you know, Ben Simmons moving to the four could shake some things up. See what I did there? Shake Milton's the start. That was a good one. Like, uh, <laughs> that was good. That was good. But, so and dad and, joke. <laughs> yes. <laughs> Uh, and we saw Ben Simmons take a couple threes in this mm-hmm. exhibition game, uh, one and both from the corner. So I'm, it's looking like their strategy is going to be when he's off the ball is kind of getting him to knock down corner threes, which, as we know, is the, the shortest and usually the easiest three to knock down. So maybe that helps give him a little bit of confidence, you know, going into uh, this, these bubble games. But, you know, how are we feeling about the Sixers? I like the Sixers. I see. To me, I don't know what to think about Ben Simmons at the four. I think it's great that they got shaken there, shaken had some perimeter shooting, but it's still it feels like the same thing. And it just seems like ultimately, I love the Sixers, and I think that they they could make this run. Like you know, I I do love it. I think that the idea of Bucks Sixers could be an interesting. Like no holds barred, who's going to come out on top? I I think that'd be a great series to watch. But I just don't think that in the end they're going to have enough perimeter shooting. I don't really trust Tobias to be that the guy that they really need him to be. And yeah, I mean, I love seeing Ben taking those shots, but what does that really mean right now? Like, that's great to see going forward, but I don't know that that's really going to be the difference. And Embiid, I think, you know, the conditioning, there's been a lot of jokes about what he'd look like when he came back. I think he looks pretty good. He does not look like he's gigantic. I think he's probably in better shape, arguably, but again, these close, you know, back-to-back games, these games played in shorts amount of times. I think that can Embiid stay healthy? Can he, you know, is he conditioned enough to be the top, whatever, five, maybe higher talent that he is, but not not have that consistency? So I, I love the Sixers, but again, I think it's the same old story. It's the not enough perimeter shooting, and does Ben and Embiid really, are they the pair to make it work here? Like, can they work together at a high level through a playoffs? Yeah, I mean – you know, I, I love the Sixers with all my heart. I really do. But um, I don't I don't really have any faith in them coming out of the East. Like, I think the only team we're really structured well to face is the Bucks. I think we're decently put together for the Celtics. But, like, you know, if we ever run into the Heat, that's not going to be a good series for us. I don't even love a series against – well, I don't really love a series against the Celtics either. But I, I – I could see us winning that if it came to it, but mm-hmm. you know, the Ben Simmons shooting is encouraging because it at least gives the Sixers options, right. On like what they want to do as far as 
um, and be post up situations uh, and how they're going to space the floor. And again, you know, he, he knocked one down with ease. You know what I mean? That I don't think mm-hmm. it's encouraging. You know what I mean? Like, I don't know how often you're going to really need him to be out there and shoot from there. But like, if he can take three or four of those corner threes a game, he can knock down one or two. You know what I mean? Like I, it's, that's not super difficult. It's the easiest shot in the game. And he, he looked confident shooting those two. So we'll see. Um, yeah. You know, I still think, I, I like Ben Simmons a lot better at the four if instead of it being like Shake Milton at the guard spot, it was, you know, Brad Beal or, you know, something, someone like that. You know what I mean? Or if we had made a move for D'Lo before the trade deadline, something like that. Like a, a guard who can, you know, create and be in a, a playmaker slash scoring role, that would be a lot more attractive for the Sixers, you know, but – you know, we have this Al Horford contract situation, so that's looking bleak. Yeah. But, you know, we'll see. I think if if they can hold teams to 85 points per game, maybe, but I just – I don't <laughs> see that being the case. <laughs> Good luck, yeah. Uh, I'm, I'm more and more out on the Sixers the more I look at the way this team is constructed. You know, and we've talked about, you know, just like the way that the games go and towards the end it's like – well, like, are they going to dump it down to Embiid in the last couple of minutes here? Like, is that the game plan? Because, like, I don't love that game plan. Like, I do love Embiid on the low block. I think he's the best probably low block score we have in the game today. But, like, I just don't like that game plan in general for any team. I don't care who's on the low block. I just don't think that's the way to win in 2020. And, you know, they just don't have the the guys around him. Like, Shake Milton, like, Shake Milton going to save the day? Unproven. <laughs> Unproven, like, I – who was Shake Milton like six months ago? I don't think we'd heard of Shake Milton. And, um, you know, Ben Simmons is like great in transition. You put him at the four. Do, does it matter that he's at the four? I mean, like, he's probably still going to play similar. Like, are they going to just uh, maybe they interchange where he is on the sets? And then it's like, well, then you're going to take the ball out of his hands on offense in the half court sets. Well, then, like, why is he out there at all? Like, we don't want him as a spot of shooter. Like, is he there just for transition offense and defense? Maybe he is. But, like, then it's like, okay, well, we're minimizing our all-star uh, young point guard to Andre Roberson. Like, obviously not that bad or maybe. Draymond maybe Green. Better. But, Dray- yeah. Maybe Draymond Green. But, like, right. yeah, like, I just don't know if that's what you want to do. And, and you know, and there is all these questions that I just named. And, you know, even if there was a solution, even if there was a way to do all this and – and Coop and Todd and me, we were the coaching staff, and we put our minds together, and we figured out a way to do that. Like, Brett Brown ain't going to figure it out. Brett Brown's yeah. not the guy. Brett Brown yeah. has proven he's not the guy. Like, he, he's just – I don't know what it is. I mean, I, I do not think that, that he's the coach to lead them and to figure out the way to do it, especially when he's been doing it for how many years now and hasn't figured it out. Um, you know, you almost, you almost need an offseason to, to rewrite the script with someone else. Yeah, all right, so last Eastern Conference team that we got to talk about is the Celtics. Um, wow. Obviously, you know they've looked a little, they've looked better this year, right? With the the change out of Kemba and Kyrie, I think the yep. Horford loss was pretty bad for them uh, because he gave them, you know, at the center spot someone who could shoot, pass, and you know, and defend, and, and even put the ball on the floor off of shot fakes and stuff like that. So that hurts a little bit and they're the defensive situation that they have at the center spot isn't great. Um, but Jason Tatum 
was elite this year after the all-star break, um, especially in big clutch crunch time moments. He looked like he was stepping into a, a superstar caliber player. Mm-hmm. So what's your confidence level on the Celtics making it out of the East? High, I guess. Uh, they're, they seem to be everyone's hot pick right now. It, it seems like um, when you if you surveyed people who are basketball fans, I think a lot of them are like, you know who I think has a really good chance is, is the Celtics. Like they're like the the popular sleeper team. Like like yep. every year there's a popular sleeper team. And that's like, well, they're not really a sleeper anymore because everyone's picking them. So, <laughs> and, but like if you look at it, you're like, okay, well, they have the young legs. Uh, maybe that matters in this type of a format. I don't know. I don't know. I can't decide if I think it's going to favor the the young legs or if it's going to favor the the old experienced guys. Like we just don't know. Like even like you can't really compare. Like some guys compare it to like a lockout season. Well, like this isn't a lockout season. This is totally different. And and everyone has the same rest. Like so I don't know if that's I don't know if that's how I want to do this. When I look at their roster, like yeah, Tatum has been really good. Like top ten player in the NBA, good uh, since the All Star break. Jalen Brown has, you know, solid two-way guy. You know, we, we've called him Kawhi and Paul George light right now, like the way that they play. I think Kemba's probably the biggest factor, though, really. I, I, I think Kemba's more important to this run than Tatum or Brown is because if, if Kemba is an elite point guard and you go into the playoffs and Kemba uh, outplays Kyle Lowry and, and Kemba steps up in a way that Ben Simmons is cannot offensively, and steps up in a way that we know the Bucks don't have a, a point guard who can do that. Like, that's gonna that's gonna really mean something. That's gonna be a huge boost uh, to when you look at the the Celtics who already have a pretty good pieces around Kemba. And I think last year the Celtics were pretty good. Kyrie kind of soiled them in the playoffs. I think they actually had a pretty good chance maybe to beat the Bucks if if you did sub out a Kyrie for a guy like Kemba. Who like I'm not saying Kemba is a better like. If I just pick a one-on-one tournament or something like that, I probably would take Kyrie. But like, if I'm playing team basketball, like this is how I, this is what I talked about earlier with Jamal Crawford and JJ Ray. Like, I think I'd rather definitely have Kemba. And yeah. in this scenario, in these playoffs, like I think I really want Kemba uh, to mesh with these young guys like Tatum and Brown. The questions are the big guys and Tice and you know Canner. I think is pretty bad. Sorry, Canner. I, I just think. He doesn't play any defense, and awesome. I don't know if – I'm not going to trust him to go get a bucket or anything like that. Right. Uh, so that's, like, the big question. And we talked about the matchup with, with the Sixers and Embiid. Like, that could be a problem. Um, but I think I think um, Celtic stock is is going a little bit too high for me right now. I think I'm probably not as high as what it seems like Seems like the media is. Um, I, I, just, I just can't see them getting out of the East right now. Too young. Yeah. So I was – uh, I was the Celtics dark horse guy. And I think that uh, the thing for me is Kemba. So there's reports now that the knee is not right. He's had four months off. The knee is not, you know, I don't think that we're going to see that elite level that you're talking about in that Kemba. So I was dark horse Celtics guy. I would, had all the stock in the world, but the fact that I don't think we're going to get Kemba, mm-hmm. you know, at his best, I think that just, I mean, that, that kills it. And they don't have the depth. I, I, I'm, I'm kind of – I like Tice. I think Tice can get it done. And Cantor in certain matchups, you're right, he's going to get played off the floor. Or, he I, you know, he, he, can, he can give you something. But uh, I just think the lack of depth and without – you know, I, I don't trust that Kemba's going to be able to, you know, really be the Kemba that we know. But, you know, I, I have all the, the Jason Tatum stock in the world. We did a podcast a while back. I think he is the real deal. And I, 
like I said, I would have picked the Celtics as that second choice to come out of the East if I thought that the you know Kemba was right and you know everything was normal. But yeah, I think the Raps, like we talked about earlier, I think that they just kind of have the more complete team right now, and I yeah. I trust them more than the Celtics. But if not, yeah, I mean, I was I was all in on the Celtics. Yeah, I like the Celtics too. Ugh, I can't believe I said that, but um, <laughs> um, yeah. Kemba's the X factor here. What his health situation is like, you know, the rust situation is like, um, you know, I think the most positive thing is they, they got huge boosts this season from Jaden Tatum and Jalen Brown. Uh, or I'm sorry, Jason Tatum and Jalen Brown. Um, mm-hmm. And a lot of that has to do with Kyrie not being there, holding them back. But, you know, then you got Gordon Hayward, someone we haven't talked about who averaging 17 a game, you know, I think you really like yeah. him in that role, whether, you know, he's sixth man as a, you know, creator off the bench, or even if he's starting, um, you know, at the two or the three, he's a certainly a good complimentary player. So um, it's just, like you said, the, the center spot is an issue, um, something that they can address eventually, um, you know, so we'll see how that works out. I don't love them for this year, um, but mm. like you said, Jason Tatum and, and, uh, Jalen Brown have Kawhi and, and Paul George type potential, Yeah, um, I think. So Celtics have a, a pretty bright future as well. Let's just do this real quick, though. Um, just I just want to see kind of where you guys are at. Like, these four East teams we just talked about, like, can we just rank them real quick? Like, I'd probably go Toronto. I still think I'd have Boston over Miami, though. So I'd probably go Toronto, Boston, Miami, Philly. I'd probably do – Toronto, Miami, Celtics, Sixers. Agreed. I'd have that exact same order. Okay. So I just think the Heat right now, you know, I don't know. The Celtics, I think the Heat, yeah, I think the Heat probably could edge out the Celtics about right now, but right. we'll see. Last team in tier two, Utah Jazz. What would it take for them to win or to win the West? Oh, a lot. A lot, a lot. Sign of <laughs> Jesus, maybe. Um, no, no, Bo, uh, Bo, Bojan or whatever. No, yeah, that's Donovich. I think that really hurts. Yeah. Conley, though, I think that Conley could be playing better without the Bojan. I think he has that more off ball. It could be a little better, but either way, I don't trust it. And Ingles isn't and, coming either, right? And yeah, right. And I just uh, don't yeah. think the Gobert Mitchell. They obviously have some something going on there, and I don't know. I just yeah, I, I don't have I the zero is the confidence meter I have in that. Yeah, I'm out on the Jazz, too. Um, and just, like, in general, like, just fuck the Jazz. Who cares? Like, change <laughs> your name, first of all. You're in Utah. Why are you the Jazz? Like, it made sense when you were Bring in New Orleans. Purple. Like, why are you the Jazz? There's no Jazz in Utah. Everybody knows there's no Jazz in Utah. But anyway, <laughs> did you see uh, Gobert had that piece today? He, he got interviewed, and he was, like, he was, like, really, like, getting depressed and shit because people were blaming – COVID on him. He's like, people think COVID in America started because of me. <laughs> well, I, I don't think people actually believe that. You know, it's just like, I really wish he would, again, we talked about this the last time we did an NBA pod. Gobert, just chill, man. Just lay low. Don't do any, like, talk as little as much as possible to the press about COVID. And you know what I mean? Just kind of build your, your chemistry back with your teammate that you broke. Like, you I don't know. He, he certainly didn't bring it to America. He didn't even, he probably didn't even bring it to the NBA, but like yeah. the way you handled it is why people are upset with you. Not because they think that you brought it to America. Like that's yeah. ludicrous. We're, we're mad that you didn't take it. 
well, I mean, people are mad that you didn't take it seriously. That's why they're mad. And you yeah. just own it and let it go. Yeah, I mean, he's a scapegoat. I mean, you just can't, when yeah. you think COVID, NBA, you think of him touching the mics. Like, you know, right. it's just wrong place, wrong time, wrong lot of things. But, yeah. It might have been better. It might have almost been better that he got – I mean, you hate to say that, but, like, because it shut down the NBA. It and put it out, like, yeah. And then – because, like, for how many people did this not feel real at all until the NBA? Well, the president was calling stopped. it a hoax. <laughs> yeah. Was part, so. Yeah, so. <laughs> True. All right. Well, uh <laughs> That'll wrap up tier two of uh, Rockets, Raptors, Heat, Nuggets, Sixers, Celtics, and Jazz. Um, so we're going to take another quick, brief break if you're listening on audio um, and then get back and talk about the uh, third tier of teams, most of them fighting for eight seed position in the West. Um, and, but there's some others who kind of have something to play for, I guess, here. So uh, again, if you're listening or watching on YouTube, uh, head on over to YouTube channel where you can find the tier three video there. Um, thank you guys for tuning in so far and uh, we'll be back. Hey guys, it's Mike from the all in podcast. Just wanted to remind you about our merchandise store, teespring.com slash all dash in dash network. Head on over there and use the promo code all in pod and get 15% off support the network. We've got all kinds of t-shirts, hoodies, blankets, phone cases, uh, coffee mugs, really whatever you can get and support the network. We would appreciate it. Go to teespring.com slash all dash in dash network and use the promo code all in pod to get 15% off. Thanks guys. Welcome back. For those of you tuning in on audio, we are into tier three of the NBA bubble teams. Uh, For those of you watching on YouTube, we are covering the Suns, Thunder, Pacers, Mavs, Magic, Nets, Pelicans, Blazers, Grizzlies, and Kings. Um, To kind of describe Tier 3, these are teams that don't necessarily have a chance to likely make it out of the first round, but certainly don't have chances to win the conference finals or uh, the finals. Um, But a lot of interesting teams here, especially with the eight-seed race in the West, Um, So we should probably start there. I think the three teams probably most likely to make it are the Pelicans, Blazers, and I think you could throw the Kings in there, right? As you know, which we talked about on a previous episode. So, you know, obviously I think it's safe to say the NBA wants Zion in the first round of the playoffs, right? So, or at least, or at the very least in a play-in game. Yeah, or the Blazers. It's got to be them and the Blazers, right? Yeah, so – oh, I'm sorry. And the Grizzlies, who hold the eight seed currently. Sorry, John. Right. Um, <laughs> so, of those four teams, let's rank them. Mike, we'll start with you. Grizzlies, Pelicans, Kings, Blazers. Rank those four teams. If I had to rank them, and I'm not ranking them – Based on, I'm not. I'm not saying that I think that they're going to finish in this order. I think that this team is going to make it. Uh, I'm ranking them, or who I think is the actual better, the best teams. Okay. Uh, if I was ranking them as like the best teams, I think I would go Grizzlies, Blazers, Kings, Pelicans. Um, I just like, I like the Grizzlies a lot. I really do. I, I think they are going to make it. Um, I think they are going to hang on to that eight spot. We've talked about that before, but 
I just I, I like Ja Morant a lot. Like if you told me that if I had to pick Ja Morant or Zion Williamson for my team, I I'm not saying maybe for the future, maybe I'd take Zion, but definitely for mm-hmm. this season in these playoffs, I'm definitely taking Ja Morant. And probably taking Brandon Clark over Zion as well. And when you look at like the whole team, like the Grizzlies have really put something together this year. Um, I probably would have Blazers. Probably would have Blazers second, um, just because of Dame and CJ. Like Nurkic coming back, you don't know like what all that's going to bring. I would imagine it's going to be pretty good. Um, I don't. I don't know, but you know, from from how they've played in the past, I, I would hope that they are clicking, and you'd think that they'd be pretty good. Uh, I just can't see them beating the Grizzlies twice in a row, and I think it's going to come down to that. I think they're going to have to beat them twice in a row. And the Kings, like, I don't know. I still am holding a lot of De'Aaron Fox stock. I know Todd is as well. Um, I think that he is a serious playmaker, and I think a lot of this time, a lot of times, like, it comes down to guards and. Darren Fox, I would take him uh, pretty high on the list, like really quick. And the young guys that they have, like, I like, I like the Kings team. I think the Kings have a real shot. Look at how they matched up in the regular season against some of these teams. Uh, it looks like they have a bit of an advantage. Uh, and the Pelicans, like, I just don't know. I just, I just don't know. Like, I'm still unsure how Brandon Ingram and Zion click. I don't think that they do click that well. I, I, Brandon Ingram certainly had a uh, dip in production and certainly seemed a little bit more disinterested on the court when Zion was out there. Uh, he, you know, Brandon and, you know, he has a strong case for most improved player this year, but he just doesn't really play well with others all the time. And we saw this in LA and Zion. we're seeing it now with Zion. Like and he just, I don't really think he knows how to play off the ball that well. He's really good with the ball in his hands, I think. And he can create a lot. He's a really good shooter as well, which means a lot, but, uh, you know, when he gets disinterested and then this, when he gets disinterested and he's playing off the ball, the shooting percentages go down. Um, so I, I, I don't really trust the Pelicans as much as I did. And not to mention Zion's going to be on a probably big minute restriction, I would think, at least starting these first eight games. I know tomorrow night uh, he's likely to be on a big minute restriction and maybe it'll loosen up after that. But we just don't know. It's a big question mark. Um so if you're telling me to rank them how I trust them, I, I, I probably put the Pelicans last. So I think if we did like best team, so if we just did like whatever, no record, like who do I think are the best teams in order? I think that the Blazers are probably the best team right now just because they replaced their front court with Collins yeah. and Nurkic. And the fact that if you can rely less on – Hassan Whiteside in any sense that's helping your team. He's so, terrible. I, I think he's, he's definitely terrible. like a terrible he, player. He's just terrible. People think like, he's yeah, good. People less, think that he's good. Yeah. I don't get it. I know. I know. It, it's even 2K thinks he's good. I'm so confused. <laughs> Anyways. So, but then I would do Grizz, then the Pellies, then the Kings. So I think the Kings, I can't, uh, they're last for me because uh, what's his face? Bagley. Bagley's hurt. He's not coming back into the bubble. I think, you know, they're young. They have the shooters. I love Bogdanovich and Heald and uh, Fox. Like, that, that's a great front court, but not this year. I can't see it. I, the Pelicans, I think I agree with what Mike said. I don't know necessarily how they fit with Zion. I think Zion is a big X factor. He can come in and dominate. But I think that the Pellies are kind of on that 
they're in the in a weird place, and I just don't think like they're enough behind that I think the Blazers are better than them right now. I trust their backcourt more. I really like I trust Dame and CJ to get it done over them and the Grizz though. So I think the Grizz will make that eight seed, and I think it's like Mike said, just because I can't see necessarily. I, I really highly doubt that the Blazers or the Pelicans would be able to beat them twice to kind of get that eight seed. And I think that, like, Jaw has been great. I love the shooting, the young playmakers on that team. I think they are complete. They're going to be a hard out. And I think that, yeah, like, the Grizz really have put together a great season. And I think, you know, we like the sexiness of Zion or even Dame. But I think the Grizz have enough to prove that, you know, they really are this team that's going to get the eight seed. So if I'm ranking them, I'm going to stick to my guns. I'm going to go with the Pelicans as the best team. Uh, Grizzly second, um, I'd go Kings third, and I'd go Blazers last. Really? Uh, all, and the reason I have Blazers so far down is, like, it's going to be tough. Like, not only I, – I get, like, Nurkic and Collins are, like, finally back in the mix, but, like, they have no chemistry, you know, developed throughout this season, at least, with the rest of the team. Um, and, you know, I, I don't love them defensively. I, I think they're pretty bad defensively at a lot of spots, especially in their backcourt. Yeah. So I don't, I don't love the Blazers, um, you know, team structure. And I think if Nurkic and Collins had been like healthy for at least a while before coming into this, you know, bubble situation, then maybe, but like, I think they have a lot of, they're going to have a lot of kinks that they have to work out and they're going to be too Damon CJ reliant. Like they're going to be too heavily relied, relying on them. The Pelicans I think outside of Zion and Brandon Ingram, they have some vets with playoff experience. Like, you know, a guy we haven't talked about yet, Drew Holiday, who's, you know, you can make a case for one of the best two-way, you know, guards in the league. Yeah. And who has playoff experience and, you know, can – and has – I mean, essentially, he knocked the Blazers – he was a big part in knocking the Blazers out a few years ago. Uh, because of how well he defended Damian Lillard so like that's a big factor here especially when like they're gonna they're gonna be matching up against each other putting him on John Morant could be problems for John Morant you know so you know and I I like I like JJ Redick another veteran with uh, leadership stuff like that Um, you make a solid point about Brandon Ingram I think like he has to find a way to still be Brandon Ingram prior to Zion in some facet, at least for most of the game. You know what I mean? Like he's, it's hard for a young player to ever really learn that balance, I think, because you have goals and ambitions, right? So, you know what I mean? You want to be the go-to guy, but like you have a super talented teammate. So like, you got to know when to put your foot on the gas and when to like give him space and learn how to play without the basketball in your hands and be effective without it. Um, so that's certainly something that they'll have to work out. But if I look at like the depth of these two teams, I think the Pelicans have more offensively than the Grizzlies do. I think the Grizzlies have a better defensive team. I think they have like better two-way players mm. you know, or, or more two-way players than, um, than the Pelicans have. But I think the Pelicans have, you know, guys who they – more guys other than John Morant that they can rely on to get buckets. Like – Zion, they can go to Zion. They still can go to Brandon Ingram. They can go to Drew Holiday. They can run sets for J.J. Redick. You know what I mean? Like, those are – they have four legitimate 
scoring options, whereas like the Grizzlies seem a little bit like John Morant reliant on creation. So I give them the slight edge there, but I wouldn't be surprised at all, you know, if if the Grizzlies, you know, were to win the eight seed. Um, And then uh, to just to piggyback on the De'Aaron Fox discussion, I love De'Aaron Fox. Love De'Aaron Fox. I think he has, you know, sky high potential. Um, he's he's lightning quick. I, honestly, I've loved him since what I saw him do to Lonzo at in, at Kentucky. Yeah, right. And so like, uh, he's he's got a killer in him. You know what I mean? He's uh he's got that pit bull mentality, but his uh, speed and athleticism and his game, you know what I mean, is continuing to evolve. Where he's not just relying on his athleticism. Like he really can break down defenses and make you know the right next pass and his mid-range game is getting better his three-point shots only going to get better as well so um certainly like certainly like De'Aaron Fox but I don't like you said Bagley not being there is huge I think that's going to hurt them a lot um I don't like Harrison Barnes especially in playoff situations the last time he was in a playoff situation it did not go well um True. you know but and I like Buddy Heald I think Buddy Heald is above average so, mm-hmm. you know, he's, like he's a player. A yeah, I like Buddy. I like Buddy Heald, but I don't think those two are quite enough to get them over. And the other, the other Bogdanovich is playing, right? He, uh, yeah, uh, yeah. He's solid. I, he's very solid. He yeah. They got shooting. Yeah, for sure. Yeah. So, yeah. So, I like the Kings. I like their future. I think they have a solid, you know, foundation built. So, actually, I think all three of those teams have solid foundations built going forward. Yeah. So, and the Kings have really turned it on in the second half of the year. They yeah. because last year, you know, they were like pushing to make it all year. Uh, they didn't quite get there, but and then they they fired uh, Jaeger, and everyone's like, "What the hell are you doing?" Like you had a great season, and they hired Luke Walton. And then I think they were a lot of people's like surprise pick, uh, and a lot of people were like really like trying to smash the over. I think their over under was set at like forty, so like about a five hundred team. Um, and they started out the gate pretty bad, and people were questioning Luke Walton like can he do this? Is he an NBA head coach? Was it just a product of the Warriors when he had success? Uh, but he's really, they've really improved. And uh, yeah. I, I'm a little bit more in on them than I were what was. So let's talk about two teams who aren't fighting for an eight seed, uh, the Thunder and the Pacers, both in their respective conferences around the four or five seed. Um, and, you know, that could change, of course, but that's where they're sitting at right now. Um you know, unfortunately, the Pacers are just barely getting Oladipo back, and they don't have Sabonis, so their chances aren't looking great as far as getting out of the first round. But the Thunder are a well-constructed team. They have a rejuvenated Chris Paul, um, Shea Gilgis Alexander had an excellent season this year, really grew into his own, um, and they formed a nice backcourt. And they have some other guys who have played key roles. Obviously, you know, they still have Stephen Adams, who's much, you know, very solid center. So how we feel about the Thunder and the Pacers uh, going into the, you know, this bubble? I like the Thunder more than the Pacers. I can say that for sure. Uh, the Pacers, I think it's going to be tough. Uh, no Sabonis, it looks like. I think that he's actually really important, maybe even more important than Oladipo is. And, and without him going and the chances, I'm not sure what we're going to even see out of Oladipo. Uh, I don't – is Brogdon's end up going, right? I think so. Yeah. That helps. Um, he's – obviously, I like his game a lot. 
but I just don't know who they play in the first round where I'm like, they can, they're going to win this series. I don't think they can match up with Miami, uh, certainly not Boston or Toronto. So it, it's going to be tough for Indiana, but uh, certainly I like the, 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 the group as a whole. Maybe they add one more piece and, you know, even if you get a full season out of Oladipo, Sabonis, and Brogdon, I think that's a step in the right direction for next year. Uh, the Thunder, if they put the Jazz in the first round, I'll take the Thunder. Um, that I'll put that pick in, you know, stamp that pick. Like, Chris Paul, big-time leadership. Uh, really excited to be able to hear all of Chris Paul's banter on the court um, <laughs> and how he's going to be. And, you know, SGA, all in on SGA. Yeah. Uh, I like I think, what you did there. Yes, thank you. Um, uh, the, you know, like the the Clippers should have found a way to keep him in that trade. Like, and I, but maybe it doesn't happen if SGA doesn't go. But like, he maybe they're better off. They might be better off, but they're great. And um, you know, just like Danilo Gallinari, I love Danilo. I've had a long-standing relationship with Danilo Gallinari really <laughs> since the Denver days. I've always been in on Danilo Gallinari. But, man, like, he is awesome. Like, knocks down shots. He'll go get you a bucket. Like, and don't sleep on his defense either. Like, I'm telling you, like, he, he's a player. They got guys in OKC. Mm. You know, we talk about Steven Adams as, like, an interior presence. That's big time. Uh, so, if you ask me which one's more likely to get out of the first round, I think it's definitely OKC. Yeah. Yeah, for the Pacers, for me, yeah, Sabonis not being there. I love Sabonis. And he's kind of like the heart and soul of that team. Him and Brogdon all year been, you know, carrying them. Uh, Oladipo is back, but I think, you know, it's been well documented that he didn't want to come back and there may be a contract thing where he didn't want to give up a couple million dollars. So I don't know what level of uh, the Thunder, but I cannot say enough good things about the Thunder. I love the Thunder. And I think, I don't know, interesting, interesting conversation of if the Clippers go back and they don't make that Paul George trade, are they better off? They're definitely better off long term, but that team is still... It's an interesting thing. But anyways, this year's Thunder team, love SGA. Chris Paul has been, like, the best clutch player in clutch minutes this year by far. The, almost, like, all the Thunder are on that list. Still uh, great. Like you said, Nilo, Adams. I mean, they got ballers. But what came back to this is, like, that top end where it's, like, I don't know that they necessarily have that top end level that they can get to to kind of challenge that. And that's why they're in this tier, obviously. But uh, – okay. I just I love watching the Thunder play. I would love it if they beat up on the Jazz in the first round. But I think the West has a little bit of wiggle room right there. So like, uh, you know, Jazz eight point five game behind Thunder nine point five Rockets nine point five. So this kind of bunched up a little there. There could be some movement. I, I think it's interesting that if the Thunder come out and they can move up, maybe probably not fall back. But either way, they're probably in that four or five range. See what the Rockets do, but. Uh, yeah, I mean, I'm cheering for their Thunder all the way. I'd love to watch them play, but I just don't think – I don't think this year that, like I said, the top end, they don't they can't reach that high level. Yeah, I think in our previous bracket I had the Jazz. I'm absolutely flipping on that. That's probably the one thing that I, I absolutely am changing on, given, you know, who's there and who's not. Um, you know, I think you guys pretty much touched on everything that needs to be said about the Thunder. Um, other than, you know, I think we have to give a round of applause to Chris Paul for his role in, in, in the MBPA's, you know, involvement in getting this whole bubble situation set up and just navigating through this coronavirus thing. Um, his leadership has been huge. So um, kudos to Chris Paul, man, because I don't know if he's, if anyone else is president, we don't, 
I don't know if we, you know, get this, you know, this, this little NBA bubble. And obviously, as you can see, the other sports are not handling this nearly as well as the NBA is. They had a, a second round of testing, zero test again, which, yeah. uh, yeah. I mean, the bubble is definitely this, the move. The yeah, definitely. <laughs> and, and MLS I, is the same way now. MLS zero, zero, uh, cases. And, and we've talked about this, like when we were talking about, uh, I forget it who we had on that day, but we were talking about if the bubble was the right move, because if there is an outbreak and this might still happen, but if there is an outbreak, it probably will be worse in a bubble. Right. Whereas like we're seeing baseball and like the Marlins uh, get infected and there's like, I think there's like 17 positive cases now, but they're all on the Marlins and uh, Phillies, they played the Phillies, but they don't seem to have any cases right now. So maybe it's like, well, if you don't have a bubble, you're exposed to these outside cities, but you don't get these huge outbreaks. Whereas in the bubble, you don't, you're not exposed. But if, if there is an outbreak, it's got potential to be worse. So right now, it's it's looking really good for the yeah. NBA. No, no doubt. And also, also, you know, I think it's kind of a showing to the rest of the world. You know what I mean? When how you can kind of we could have contained this had we handled this, you know, better. I don't know, but let's uh, let's get into some other teams. Technically, the Suns and Spurs are also in the eight seed race. I don't think we give them any real chance. Um, and then we'll throw the Mavs in here as well because they have Luka Doncic. So, you know, for one, since we're talking about the Suns, someone, anyone, help Devin Booker. Like, just get <laughs> – Someone in Phoenix front office, get that guy some help because that dude can play. And it's sad he doesn't get nearly as much, rec- you know, recognition as he probably should. And, you know, I, like he's got his, his issues maybe defensively, but he's too good to be on a bottom here. And the Suns don't give me any, like, confidence going forward. I like Aiden, but, yeah. you know, I, mean, I, I don't love any – Mikael Bridges is solid and Kelly Oubre is solid. Well, yeah. but, like, and, and really, though, but the Suns, like – I don't know. Like if we're if we're grouping these these teams that aren't in the playoffs right now, so that would be the the Pelicans, the Blazers, the Kings, Suns, Spurs, and Wizards. Mm-hmm. And if you just group them as Pelicans, Pelicans, Blazers, Kings is one group, and then Spurs, Suns, and Wizards is the other group. I think the Suns are closer to the Kings, Pelicans, and Blazers than the Spurs and the Wizards. I really do. I, I, I would not be surprised. I, I mean, I would be surprised, I guess. I wouldn't be shocked, though, if the Suns came out of this as that ninth seed with a chance to to play. Their schedule's a little tougher than, like, the Pelicans or the Kings uh, to get there through these eight games. But, like, I think they're – maybe they're not as good, but they're marginally worse probably. And I don't know if any of those teams have a player as good as Devin Booker, like you said, besides the Blazers, obviously. Uh, so and then Kelly Uber is a nice piece. Yeah. Yeah, I mean the Suns are nice. I kind of like that young core. I mean, if Aiden can keep growing, I mean he played well this year when he was in there. He came back from that suspension at the beginning of the year, and I think they do have a chance to build around the Aiden Booker core, and that could be something in the future. But this year, I mean, they just I don't see it. I mean, they're like well, two and a half back from like the the Kings, Pelly's Blazers. And I just – I think that's a hard climb for them to get there. And like you said, the Pelicans have the easiest schedule of anybody. Like, that's going to be tough to overcome. But, yeah, yeah uh, the Spurs to me, they are just 
you know, from a different age. They are playing in 1990 right now with, you know, DeRozan. I know LaMarcus isn't going to be there, but, uh, yeah, I can't see it from them either. They have some injuries and just, you know, inconsistencies all year. Like DeJounte, I don't think really was that player we thought he was going to be this year. Yeah. And, yeah, it's just tough. I mean, I think those are two teams that, are going to have to do some figuring out. But I think the Suns, like you said, I mean, they have a lot of upside. And Booker could snap at any game and get you, you know, stretch here. what could happen. But the ways – oh, God. Oh, my – so bad. Yeah, the ways probably don't even deserve to be talked about. Um, mm. But, yeah, hey, but, man, like – are they worse than the Nets right now? Probably. No, the Nets are the worst thing to ever be thrown on an NBA court. Yeah, but at least they have Levert. <laughs> the Wizards don't have anybody. Yeah. Yeah. Are you watching yeah. any games that involve the Wizards, Nets, or Magic for that matter? I watched yes. Magic. Yes, as bad as it'll be. Okay. Uh, I'm watching everything. I need. I don't care. If they're on during the day, I'll watch. <laughs> Yeah. Yeah, if they're on during the day, I'll watch at work because I won't yeah. have much else to do. But other than that, I'm probably not. And I'll watch the Spurs too because yeah. DeMar DeRozan is my guy. Sure. Of course. Don't disrespect DeMar DeRozan, okay? <laughs> no, <All right>. <laughs> Thoughts on the Mavs before we wrap up? Oh, yeah, Mavs, personally for me, I think Mavs could probably be tier two. I think that they have a good chance. Uh, I, I like I like the Mavs a lot. I mean, they got all the shooting in the world. Luka is the, you know, the LeBron-esque forward that can kind of point forward, put, it, put the team on his back, control the pace, do all that kind of stuff. And I think it comes down to KP's level of play. I mean, yeah. KP has the talent to be this, like, all-world top ten kind of player, but – yeah, obviously the injuries and all this other stuff and just the inconsistency of trying to find out his role now is kind of like the second guy. But I, I really like – and plus, we're talking about coaches, Rick Carlisle, like, is that guy. I, I love Rick Carlisle, and I think that – I think that the Mavs could, like, you know, they have a chance, I think, to make some noise. I think Luca is, you know, we'll talk about maybe this on next spot or something, but he's like a fringe first-team All-NBA, and I think that, you know, this guy – I, I, I like this Mavs team a lot. Yeah, probably the most improved player uh, this year. I would think he's probably going to win that award. Um, I, you know, I, I, I don't think that they can beat the Clippers in the first round if that's the matchup. Right. Um, if they get Denver, then they could probably beat Denver, though. Yeah. Uh, I think that I might take those, those matchups on the Mavericks side if, if that's what it comes down to. And, like, Luka's special, man. Luca is really, really generational, it seems like. Um, you know, the way he plays is, you know, he's kind of Harden-esque in the way he plays. Um, I, It's a little bit more enjoyable to watch, I think, for me, because he does a better job with his teammates and getting them involved, probably. Um, but I, I like the Mavs. I certainly like the core, and not this year, of course, but um, – I, I probably would keep them in tier three, though. Yeah, agreed. Um, certainly like their, you know, their young core. Uh, they're going to have to, you know, do a little building and adding on to that. But uh, Mavs have a bright future ahead of them. Luca obviously is a stud. So 
Um, excited to see what they bring to the bubble. I think their games will be exciting to say the least um, yeah. to watch. So um, it'll be fun to, you know, to watch them, but that pretty much wraps it up for tier three. Um, thank you guys for tuning in to another episode of the all in podcast. Thank you, Todd, for joining us again for another great NBA discussion. We appreciate you, brother. Thanks for having me. Yeah, man. Um, we got some exciting things going on at the network as well. Um, all in with rain and bliss just dropped on Tuesday. Um, and tomorrow we'll be getting, uh, the real deal radio, uh, podcast and all in politics. We'll be dropping new episodes. That'll be tomorrow as in Friday, um, is when new episodes will release for them. So stay tuned. Um, rain and bliss also have new merch out. Um, you can find that on our Twitter page at all underscore in underscore pod. Uh, you can also find it on their page at all in rain and bliss. Um, as well. So um, lots going on. We'll, we got some new articles that'll be coming out um, of Premier League team of the season uh, yep. from our all in FC panel uh, of voters and then uh, some other articles and stuff like that that me and Mike will be working on. So stay tuned and uh, thank you guys again for being all in with us and we'll see you guys on Monday. Thanks guys. I'm not going to be able to do that. I'm not going to be able to do that. I'm not going to be able to do that.